0: Hey everyone, welcome to 11 Questions. This is your host Taman Tivana and today we are meeting the food blogger behind the modern desi, Bhavna Kalra. Let's get to know her with 11 Questions.
1: Hi Bhavna, welcome to 11 Questions. Hi Daman, thank you for having me. My first question for you is, if you could choose only one, would you pick tea or coffee? Uh, always <laughs> tea. There's no doubt about it. I am a chai lover. I cannot live without tea. Although I cheat on my tea with coffee once in a while. But I do have a, a soft spot for filter coffee. Especially mm-hmm. the one that I had in Bangalore a few years ago. Oh my god, I was hooked to it. It was just delightful. But yeah, chai is my day and uh, it's life. <laughs> and how do you usually spend your weekends? Oh well, we are in lockdown. So for a while now, when we were not in lockdown, I was doing cooking classes. So I run my own cooking classes every Saturday and Sunday, sometimes in the morning on Saturday and in the evening on Saturday as well. And then on Sunday morning. So my weekends are actually pretty, pretty busy. The days that I don't do classes, I am a cleanliness freak. So I will clean my already clean house. Yeah, sometimes I'll read, um, you know, I'll cook. I'll take a lot of, I'll do a lot of bulk cooking, you know, because I have a full-time job. Sometimes it's not easy to continually. to eat. So I do bulk cooking. I keep myself really engaged. I unfortunately thrive on busy. So uh-huh. it doesn't matter whether it is weekend or weekday. I am always going at it. <laughs> Speaking of cooking, what's your favorite thing to eat? uh favorite thing to eat you know that is a very tricky question you know, because if you follow my Instagram I eat a lot as you can <laughs> I <know>. see <laughs> I cannot call a dish as my favorite dish uh because everything that I what's every favorite thing is depending on my mood so if I'm really missing home I'll make rajma chava you know. oh um, my favorite that makes me so much happiness if I want to feel a little you know if I'm in a little bit of a mood when I'm feeling a little naughty, I'll make uh, chai with bread and butter. I just love bread with butter. You know, you put a lot of butter on bread. Unfortunately, we don't get Amul butter here in Sydney, but we have a close cousin of Amul butter here. Uh, that's nice salt a uh, salted butter. So I'll put that on bread and I'll have that with chai. I love having Bengali food. So if if I had to say a favorite cuisine it will it will definitely be bengali cuisine everything in bengali cuisine my neighbor who got me hooked to bengali cuisine used to joke about how i even would have scraps from the kitchen so so bengali cuisine is my thing i just love bengali food so i cannot say i have one favorite food i have many i love sambar and rice sambar and rice or sambar and idli Sindhi curry, which is a very Sindhi delicacy. I really, really love that. So it completely depends on how I'm feeling. So unfortunately, that's not a right answer. But, <laughs> you know, that's who I am. But you have given me so many options that I'm just hungry now. I know, right? Even I'm hungry now. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, what do I make after this call? Okay, a different spin on the question. What's mm-hmm. your favorite thing to cook? Uh, so my favorite cuisine, obviously, is Indian. You know Indian cuisine, primarily because there's so much you can cook right in Indian food you can't even I don't even think we've eaten i'm I'm over forty I don't think I've eaten half of what India has to offer, so it definitely has to be Indian cuisine that's my favoriteest thing to do, and then again, as I said, it depends on how i'm feeling so and I cook a lot but if if I had to say what my favoriteest thing would be, it's probably making a cup of chai. In the morning or in the evening. I have started to appreciate sunrise a lot now that we're in lockdown. You know, so, and then you make a nice cup of chai and there are some mantras playing in the background. That's my favorite thing to do. Favorite thing to cook, if I could say. We're not going to be cooking chai, but that's the favorite thing. You know, nothing can beat that. Or chai cup or for I say, a cha positive, like, you know, some nice positive music in the background. Where does your love for cooking come from? Hmm. You know what? It's a tricky question because I didn't grow up. So my mother was not really a big cook when I was growing up. She was not. uh, She had a job as well. uh, You know, two children, a job. My grandfather lived with us. So it was always challenging for her to cook. And she didn't really enjoy cooking that much. My grandfather loved cooking. So I, I grew up till he was alive. I grew up listening to a lot of stories about where he came from. Uh, you know, food from Bhutan, his favorite dishes. That was a staple. But I really loved, started loving cooking when I moved to Australia because I've lived in UK before. Uh, eating Indian food in UK is very easy. You can go anywhere, even to the local supermarket, and they will have decent delicious Indian food that you can buy in microwave. But it's only when I moved to Australia and I saw that Indian food here is not, Really good, and you know whatever you get here is just another standard, typical three red curries, one yellow dal, and one green curry. It's only then that I started to really feel homesick, and I started to cook a lot. And then it just grew, and now as I'm getting older, and as I read more, and I see how the society is developing, I started really appreciating my cuisine, and I started appreciating what food means to me. Like it's. I don't diet. I'm not someone who diets at all. I've never done diets in my life. I'm a, I'm a mindful eater, I would like to say. So I've become very conscious about what I cook, what I put in my body. And I started to really love that because I think as you become more comfortable with who you are as a person, you start enjoying a lot of things and food becomes, food has become this huge part of my identity. You know, I really identify myself as an Indian, as a desi. Yeah, so I really have started enjoying cooking after I moved to Australia because, you know, you have help, you've got, uh, you know, you can order takeaway, you can get food from the restaurant, your mother is close by, she can cook for you, you can get a cook to help you cook, and, you know, you have so many options, you know, my mother-in-law is very close to there, I used to live in India so as well, and she's a mind-blowing cook. So I would always be happy if she was giving us food, so. It's only when I moved away that I started realizing, oh my God, I cannot live on takeaway and I need to cook. And if I want to really enjoy what I'm cooking, I need to do better. So but that's I how I... started cooking after I moved out of India. In India, mom's cooking was amazing. I never had the need to do anything on my own. Yeah. And, and when I, I go to India, I still fall back into that. But in India, I don't cook. Mom cooks. Yeah, because it's so easy, right? In India to have that luxury. Because in when you live abroad... You are the cook. You do your laundry. You do your house cleaning. You do everything for yourself over here. So you know when people have the charm of, oh, I want to go abroad. People need to also understand that it's not easy. You are doing everything over here for yourself,
0: right? you, know, you, are also,
1: you that, like, you yeah, you're watching Friends, you don't know that you have to do everything on your own. Yeah. It was only poor Monica who was cooking, right? No one else <laughs> cooked in Friends. Right and I identify myself i'm a I'm an obsessive cleaner i am a cook i'm a already crazy like pepper. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so so many times when we're watching friends and we're huge friends, fan, my husband will go uh, 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 you know, see <laughs> <laughs> something so uh, you know when she's anxious, she cleans I'm like that, so uh, when I'm anxious, I want to clean so and and that's the thing, right? no one tells us, no one prepares us for life. So India may school, may people, our parents are like, oh, you study, 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 study. And then you get a job. But no one is telling you, oh, there are all these other things that happen in life when you're older. And when you move away from home, like finance, no one teaches about how to manage our finances. No one teaches about cooking unless you are really interested as a kid and your parents force you to cook. And I think everyone needs to know how to cook. It doesn't matter. Life idea. skills are not covered anywhere. It's all about this superficial education you get. Education. Right? And that is also just bookish education. It's nothing to do with, I have never used algebra in my life. I have never used geometry in my life. And I struggled in my 10th. Oh my and God. And all those See, like... history, history I still get, right? History I still love. It's my favorite subject. English. Yes, I get it. But you know, I have never used Pythagoras theorem in my life for anything. You know, so I spent most of my adolescence stressing about finishing my 10th standard and doing this algebra and geometry that I hated. I was a duffer, you know, I absolutely hated it. And then you grow up, you go to college, you get a job, and you have a life, and you're not using all of that that's been taught in school. So, so it's interesting, you know, and, and, and when you move abroad, I think it's a shock also for a lot of people because First of all, you don't realize in a lot of countries abroad, you actually get everything to make Indian food. Like, when I moved to UK for the first time, I actually paid excess baggage for my spices and my dal. I was carrying a bag that had dal and spices, right? (laughs) And I paid a lot of money for excess baggage. And then when I moved to Australia, I just came to food places with my clothes, you know, and a pressure cooker. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's so the only thing you feel like. Uh, nowadays, even that's not a problem. Oh, you, you, you get better that, pressure yeah. cookers in Australia than like, and you have instant pot now. So, yeah. so, I think it's only when I moved abroad that I've appreciated food more and I have loved, fallen in love with cooking. Living away from India, what's the one thing that you miss the most? Despite how much we crib about India, and we all do, right? We love India. We love India. I mean, I love India. I'm very, very Desi. I'm very unabashedly Desi. But we take for granted when we are in India, that things, you can just get things done in India. If something's broken, you can call someone at any time of the day or night. You can order food. Despite what you think, it is really easy to survive in India. You know, you have the luxury of family. You know, you have friends you've grown up with. When you move abroad, you're really alone. Um, so uh, I miss the familiarity. I miss knowing where I'm going. I miss knowing where I can go and eat what I want to. I miss calling my local ice cream wala at 12 o'clock in the night and saying, hey, you know, ice cream. And just miss having help. You have no help over Like I do everything on my own. Uh, I have more houses on my own. I have assembled furniture on my own, which is great because it's made me very, very independent. But it's also a little sad because we take that for granted when we're in India. So I think I really miss the familiarity, just the help and the support that you get back home. I really miss that. Yeah, I completely understand. I feel like the to-do list never ends here because there's so much that you have to do on your own. It's just such an ongoing process and there's nobody to really rely on. You know, I always say, it's a, when you go abroad up such many You're really alone abroad. Like, you know, right now, we are here in lockdown. I have so many lovely single friends who are just alone. They can't go anywhere. There's no one to come to their house and talk to them. If you're in India, you're family. So you have this cocoon that's, you know, looking after you. That's if obviously you get along with your family. But, you know, just that comfort. I really miss that about India. And on the flip side, what's something that you don't miss at all? I don't miss the noise. I have lived abroad for so long now that I'm so used to peace and the quiet. So even though I live in Sydney, which is a busy, very busy metropolitan city, there's a park five minutes down the road from where I am. I can just go there. I can actually sit in the middle of the park now in a on a sunny morning. And I can be alone and no one will come and disturb me. No one will come and touch me. Uh, there's gonna be no e-teasing, not that any do hold for e-teasing now, but, but you know what I mean, right? So. You're not in India though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, right? Okay. No one bothers you. And this is the same thing I was saying. You're really alone over here. You know, unless you ask for help, very rarely you get help over here. And I really appreciate the space you get over here. People really respect your space. Uh, yeah, the and the first time people, I went back, the space thing was such a shocker to me. Because I gotten used to people giving you physical space. Forget like mental yeah. space. And people. in India, I went for something like there was no space between the queue that was there. Like, I was like, why are you like on top of me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the first dog. time when I went back home, I remember I was checking in at the airport. I was traveling domestic and there was this guy who was like, cure. You know, I'm checking in and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, why are you standing here like, Excuse me, can you give me some space. And he's looking at me, thinking, "What is this woman talking that about?" That was my and first he... realization that India sure. has no word for space. Like in our languages, there's no word for space, right? That was no. my realization. And I try to stare people, like thinking they'll get the message, but the concept doesn't exist. Another thing over here is people don't stare. I don't know if you realize people staring at someone is considered really bad and and in India, we stare. I'm right? Crazy. Like if you I'm go s- everywhere, like if you go somewhere and if you're dressed a certain way or if you look a certain way, people will just stand there and stare at you. I've had Australian friends who've told me when they've gone to India, people have stood in queue taking pictures of them because they were so white or, and I just feel like that's so weird understand what is this obsession of taking pictures living under the British rule has definitely messed well, up so yeah and it's bad. it's weird isn't it and I think that's very different like you know I over here you can't stare; it's considered really rude like I always think that if I got my mother ever to Sydney I have to <laughs> train her and I'll have to coach her and tell her who's there That's in India people have this habit of looking at people looking inside people's houses today. houses It's so rude and I think you can people can call like cops on you for that. People people and people call you out. I remember when I had moved to UK and I was going for my walks and there was this beautiful house and a lot of times I was just scared in their house (laughs) and I would walk. And I remember the owners one day came out and they turned me off and told me that we were being very rude, we were too silly. And that taught me a lesson, obviously, and I learned. And now if someone stares in my house, I'll step back them. So, so I get, because over here, a lot of people just leave their homes open. There's no concept of locking your doors, uh, your backyards are open. Yeah. Depending on obviously the suburb you live in, you can't do that in India. Yeah. Unless you're in a beautiful community in a village or something where yeah. everyone knows everyone. But over here, you know, and for me, that was a big shock.
0: So it's interesting how Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre measured ingredients with mouth watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I have checked their website and there are so many amazing options that I can't wait to try. Go to the link in the show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit.
1: The way I found you was through your cooking on Instagram. Oh, because you have these amazing photos. I have been following you for like years now. I think when you had just oh. one account. Yes. Going to do, I remember that. But I want to know what else do you do outside of cooking? What else do I do? So, so I, I told you earlier, I have a full time job. I work in IT. I have been in my with my current company for 15 years. So I've been with them in different roles in different countries. Uh, so that's my day-to-day job. And I really love my job. I will never, you will never catch me for doing my job because I really love what I do. I feel like the difference. But despite that, I, I feel that you still need to have a passion. There's a lot of stress nowadays on following your passion, but if everyone is following their passion, then nothing will get done, right? And nothing will get done. So I believe that I am doing the right thing by using my education to have a job and I'm also supporting my family, but I also love to cook. So that's my passion, as you already know. I love taking pictures. I don't call myself a photographer because I think like you can you can't call yourself a photographer if you can carry a phone and take a picture of your phone you know? because even a monkey can take good pictures if you just give him a phone right but but I do enjoy watching nature. I'm a nature lover, so when I go for my walks, I believe that when you start opening your heart to things, you start seeing beauty around you. And a lot of people tell me, how do you capture these pictures? It's just because you become observant, you know. So I love going for long walks. That's my thing. I love going for long walks. I love taking pictures when I'm going on long walks. I love listening. I'm very spiritual. That's another thing that I do when I'm not thinking. I'm huge into chanting mantras. I believe it really changes how you think, how you feel, how you look at things. I love reading. Having haven't said that. I haven't touched a book in the past few weeks. Unfortunately, I'm buying books still, but I'm not, I'm not reading. <laughs> so I love, love, love reading. That's, that's what I do. It sounds so sad that I'm very busy. That's so many things I do, but yeah, that's what I do. Besides <laughs> that's a lot. I'm sure we can do more, or we shouldn't do so much, but that's me. One of my favorite things about your Instagram is the poetry sometimes. something. Uh, that you. is, I think, the hook for me. So I wanna know your all time favorite poets. I discovered, um, and this is something very personal I'm sharing with you, it's something that I don't share with anyone. I was going through a very low phase in my life a few years ago. And it was then that I started reading a lot about Sufism and the kind of love for God that Sufi saints talk about. Uh like if you ever read about Nizamuddin Oluya or if you ever read about the love Amit Khosrow had for his Oluya. So that's when I started discovering poetry. Like I always read, I had read, I did English literature, I'm and a and English literature, so I read poetry in my college and my school as well, we had poetry. Like Keats and Frost and, you know, William Butler and so on. But it's only when I was in a low phase that I discovered Sufism. I discovered the poetry that Sufi Saints wrote and their uh, followers wrote. So, so Amir Khusro's poetry to read, especially, uh, Chaapte Laksabdini Kitsene, Melake. It's just so beautiful. You know, if you, so that's when I started getting into poetry. Then I started, I had friends who read poetry. You know, when you start doing things, you also attract those kind of people. So I met a few people who were into Urdu poetry and my love for Urdu poetry grew quite a bit. So, um, I read a lot of faiz faiz Ahmed Fez is just this, um, you know, Gulo Mirandhale is just so beautiful. I, I, there's a movie called Heather where Ajit Singh is singing Gulo Me Not as beautiful as Mehdi Hassan but it's equally beautiful. So, faiz Ahmed Fez is my favorite. Then, um, I also love Ahmed Faraz, who was another, you know, poet. I read a lot of uh, contemporary poetry, Guzab, Saab maybe. Some of his poems and his songs are quite beautiful. Janisan Akhtar, which is Javed Akhtar's father. There's a huge list, but if I had to say who's my favorite, it has to be Sahab and Hala's favorite yes. Obviously, there's also Neer Taktimiv, Ghalib, who are older, you know, the real poets. Like, Neer Taktimiv's poetry is just he inspired a generation of poets. So that's how my love for poetry started, something I never shared with anyone. It has stayed. My poetry is also as moody as I am. It completely depends on my mood. A lot of people sometimes ask me, why are you writing such poetry? It's not because I'm going through heartache or I'm going through It's just because I've read something that's touched my heart. And then I have a lot of pictures that just (laughs) go beautifully in my poetry. Like I have, I have around 20,000 pictures. On my Google Drive, which has, which is a combination of food and nature pictures and my nephew, obviously. Not, not any selfies. I was actually looking for a selfie yesterday. And <laughs> but, um, yeah, so my nature pictures also inspire me to, to share a lot of poetry. So yes, yeah, so that's, that's my favorite poets and my I poetry. I know you didn't ask me why you do poetry, but I saw extra information share <laughs> <laughs> No, thanks for sharing. Sorry. Now, if you want to be presented, on an island which mm. two books are you taking with you i'll take a book of poetry any, any book of poetry that i can find i'll definitely take that i would carry a big cookbook like, with stories a really big thick book like maybe a you know julia child's first edition which is a few hundred pages something to keep going for the next few weeks in isolation on the island and the third book I'm going to be a scandalous and self-cadding a lot because what else are you going to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you need to keep yourself engaged, right? So uh, there's a book called A Handbook for My Lover uh, by Rosalind DeMello. She's a goan. It's one of my favorite books because her writing is just beautiful. So yeah, three books, you know, a food book, a poetry book and a little bit of erotic. <laughs> <laughs> and for the last question, If you were to pick one interesting life experience to share, what would you tell us today? It is when people have misunderstood me. I've had some instances where people I was really close to, two or three times it's happened, where they've had their own issues and the way they have behaved has really helped me grow as a person because I think a lot of times the way people behave says a lot about who they are not who you are. And I believe that the instances this is happening to me, yes, I have valued myself self and I have cried and I have overthought things till the cows came home. But over a period of time now, in hindsight, those experiences, and this sounds so cliche, but they've really shaped me as to who I am as a person, how I look at the world. And I just believe that if you have a problem with someone, tell them. Don't do silly memories. Don't, uh, do like, you know, stupid things where, you know, you start making the other person question who they are and what they're doing. Uh, no one is a mind reader. People don't know what's going on in your mind. If you have something in your mind and you're not on equal pages, I, biggest thing I feel is tell people. You know, you can tell someone, I don't want to talk to you anymore because of this. And you can either discuss about it and move on or stay defense. Uh, rather than you know, carrying that baggage with you and leaving that other person with a lot of emotional baggage as well, so that's the biggest thing I see, especially nowadays in the world of social media, where blocking people is so easy. It's like you know throwing a stone in someone's house and running away, and we do that a lot. We just we just run away now. We don't give the other person a chance to defend themselves. We don't even want to listen to what that other person has to say because. We are so angry in our own little world that we've already, you know, condemned them. We've decided they have made a... We've condemned them. We've sent them to the jail and given them a life sentence. And we don't care about what the other person is going to go through after we behave like this. So there's no self-introspection. There is no thought about what I'm doing in life and how we're treating we people. Especially now, and I really believe uh, we are going through a very tough time as a society. A little bit of kindness, a little bit of gratitude, and and this is the old person talking, right? Because after forty, you become philosophical, or <laughs> you really don't give a shit about anyone. I ho- I hope I can use that word, but I think we really need to do some self introspection and evaluate our own behavior before treating others that way. So that's my biggest thing to everybody. I love that. Sorry, I got I got really philosophical. no i love philosophy so you know i love the message and i think that's really important for all of us as we grow thank you bhavna so much for answering my question Uh and being the guest on your podcast today it was really great talking to you thank you so much for
0: having me i hope people listen and enjoy Thank you for listening to our conversation today. Hope you enjoyed getting to know our guest as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11 Pod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!